When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, we interrupt this slog of a Patriots season. <laughs> Two and nine. Straight into the sewer. We've been treading water here for a very long time. I don't need to remind everyone. We've watched it. We've experienced it. We've broken it down. We've listened to it. But we are taking a break. We are getting pulled from the sewer, dropped back into dry land, <laughs> shaking off for an episode I've looked forward to for many weeks now. The Ringer's Danny Kelly is back as we record Thursday to talk some draft. How are you, my friend? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? You hanging in there? We are hanging in. You know that I'm hanging in because it's exactly what I told you off air. That is the only operative phrase here around hanging in. Hanging in. We are that cat in the motivational poster staring at you going, I'm about to slip off, but for now, (laughs) I'm hanging in. Oh, that's a great Uh, visual. Yeah. So here's the plan for today. We are going to talk Caleb Williams. We are going to talk Drake May. We are going Mm -hmm. to talk a little Jaden Daniels, JJ McCarthy. And Michael Penix. And in case you are someone who is so far involved in the Patriots in the NFL, uh, those are the top quarterback prospects coming to you in April with the draft. We expect the Patriots right now to have a top five pick. ESPN Analytics, whatever that's worth, gives them a 58% chance to have a top three pick, 35% to have a top two. So as much as you all might pray and dream for the two best guys who are Caleb Williams and Drake May, we're going to get into the other options because they're, again, is a chance that even at two and nine, the Patriots aren't able to grab uh, one or two of them. And you are uh, update us on where you are. I mean, we were just talking off air about how much you're like balancing fantasy with just regular NFL coverage, and then a little bit look ahead to the draft. Like, where, where, where's your head at? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically, you know, right now I've d- done a deep dive into some of these quarterbacks. That's where I am in my draft prep. So um, I kind of transition in November to like trying to catch up with everybody in terms of draft prep and, and watching all these guys. Cause I've been so heavy into fantasy in the beginning of the season, but yeah, that's where I am. I've, I've watched all these quarterbacks. Um, I'm excited about this class and it sounds, it feels like it's getting pared down to like some of the real top guys. Cause when we started out, there was like truly 20 or something guys that could potentially come out and be, you know, top hundred picks or whatever. And so we're starting to kind of narrow down our focus in, in on like the guys that are probably going to be first and second rounders. So, um, but I think, you know, and especially in a season like this with such bad quarterback play, it's, it's exciting that there's some potentially, um, you know, future NFL stars among the group here. So yeah, I'm excited about this uh, quarterback group. Good. Now, can I ask you how late into the process you get to the comps? Because I'm waiting for like (laughs) Caleb Williams to be, you know, Bowser with a bazooka or like (laughs) Samus with excellent accuracy. Some sort of like Nintendo reference or just perfect on the nose reference that no one thinks of except for Danny Cow, which I know you get a lot of praise of. And I don't want to make too much of that because the actual is is great. That's that's why I read you. It's not for the comps, but I'd be lying if the comps aren't the first thing I search for. Yeah, it's the hook, you know, it's uh, yeah, I, yeah. I take no offense to that. I think that's kind of like been one of the things I've, I've tried to uh, make my coverage a little bit unique by using those. But uh, but yeah, no, I haven't I haven't landed on I, I'm going to hold those close to the vest for a little while here. Um, and, you know, probably once draft season starts, kind of try and work through those. But uh, I have a couple ideas for like Caleb Williams. It's going to be the, the big guys in this group are I'm going to have to like really, you know, dig deep and try and find some good ones for those guys, because uh, this is a huge season, obviously for like the top two quarterbacks, top three guys. 
For Caleb Williams, can you at least share the the fantasy world or universe where you might be pulling from with him? I have not yet. Um, the, what I was going to say is he's what everyone wanted Zach Wilson to be is like where mm. I'm where I'm kind of at right now. Um, but no, there's, there's a, there's a lot of time left. I still need to like hone it and, and everything. So, yeah. I'm just very briefly now thinking of superheroes that were mama's boys. And I don't know if that Venn diagram is two <laughs> separate circles or if it's one circle, um, but we'll, yeah. uh, we'll get into it in a second here. Okay. The place where I want to start though, is you are across the country out mm-hmm. in Washington right now. And I'm curious about this. Your outsider standpoint on the Patriots two and nine season, which I already said is in the sewer. We've been pulled up back in dry land, but you've been standing on dry land or wherever the Seahawks live. I, I don't know where that is. Just a, a haze uh, constantly of are they going to contend or just compete? And Pete Carroll's in the corner chewing gum. But when you look across the country here at the Patriots, like wh- what do you think that you can see the forest from the trees about everything going on here? Um. Yeah, the Patriots, obviously, like the injuries have been a big factor because I think there was a time in the offseason, in the preseason, where there was a lot of optimism around maybe this could be a feisty, frisky team in the AFC. Um, but I think the page or, or the, the injuries have really kind of sunk that, especially on defense. And then offensively, just an absolute like disaster. I, like, I don't know where how else to put it. Um, you know, I, I've lost count how many times Mac Jones has been benched this season. I do or- know. Um, four, geez, Louise, yeah. that's actually more than I thought. Um, I do know from a fantasy point of view, the, one of the most frustrating teams in, in the NFL to like use from a fantasy point of view, I think there's been two, ga- two games this year where Mac Jones has had either less than two points or negative points. There's been multiple games of that. So that's not great. Um, but I'd say just overall, like looking at the, the offense, like, cause that's what I've really been focused on during most of the season is just no dynamism, no speed, um, the quarterback situation has been an absolute disaster. I don't know like what the, what the goal is really in terms of like rotating these guys, obviously Mac Jones has regressed badly. I, I still kind of like maintain Mac Jones is better than what he's, how he's played and maybe in a different situation, he'd be okay. Um, But I think it's just like one of those things where it's a snowball effect where he's just completely lost his confidence. The team obviously does not see eye to eye with him. Um, there's, it's just like one of those situations where nothing is working. The offense, uh, the offensive line hasn't been good. The receivers are not doing their part. Um, even, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, I think for like half the season did not look like himself for whatever reason. Uh, no. I do think he's looked really good lately, which is great. But, you know, early in the season, he just looked like a regular old guy. Like I, I was very shocked and he's been one of the most, you know, disappointing guys in fantasy from that point of view for half the season. So, um, you know, my, my outsider's view is it's just like a mess and, you know, it's like hard to put blame on any one person because it's like nobody has been good, really. So you get it. That, that's a summary. So you get it. You might as well be here in <laughs> yeah, yeah. with the rest of us. Uh, it's a mess. You mentioned Mac Jones. I should say now because, again, we, we had planned long ago to do this episode. The update this week is Mac Jones is taking a back seat. He yep. worked on scout team on Wednesday. Bailey Zappi is being prepared to start, according to The Athletic. According to my colleague and your friend, Doug Hyde, uh, Bailey has taken the majority of reps in practice. Malik Cunningham yeah. has been in there a little bit, but this is uh, this is going to be the Bailey Zappi show. And I have no analysis to add to that. I'm sorry. We might <laughs> talk about the game a little bit later on Sunday. It's all bad. Danny just told you it's a mess. I'm not here right. for the mess. We're here for the future for a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So before we get to the quarterbacks, just, just, some, just some ground rules here. Okay. We're working from the following premises. Again, the Patriots tracking for a top three, uh, top five pick. Right now they would have the third overall pick. We're going to assume it lands somewhere in the top five. We're also assuming that Bill O'Brien stays as offensive coordinator. And this Mm -hmm. might make you reach for a barf bag at home. But let me tell you, he is under contract uh, beyond next season. And it's not that coaching contracts always get honored, but the guy is sticking around. I believe he's a friend of ownership. And so if he's sticking around, so is the offense, which we know is a Patriots base. But you can throw in a little bit more shotgun, some empty, some RPOs, everything we thought we were seeing this summer. And lo and behold, it was just a two-month mirage. Uh, before we got to this bleep show. The last thing, we are assuming the Patriots are intent on finding their face in the franchise, a quarterback to start over. We all love Maserati Marv, as it was put uh, by Gus Johnson, way too many times in that Ohio State game that he had two months ago. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be great. Jeff Howe has already made him a Hall of Famer, not going (laughs) in this discussion uh, or in this draft. So now that I've said all that, Caleb Williams – 
what's the skinny man? We, we've yeah. been hearing about it for two years. Won the Heisman last year, and, and Steele seems to be that same player. I think the the story with Caleb Williams is this happens all the time. I think in the draft process is there's been a little bit of Caleb Williams fatigue. Obviously, there's been some you know he, the USC has started hasn't been winning as much as everyone maybe expected or hoped. Um, there's been some struggles. He's had some, a little bit of adversity. Obviously, um, you know a lot of people are making talking about the fact that he like jumped into the crowd and was crying with his mom. And, and, you know, that's all going to be a huge talking point during uh, the draft process. But at the same time, I think like he hasn't really changed that much. He is he's still in a very, to me, a very, very exciting prospect. Like if you look at the overall, you know, picture, he's got really good traits. Um, he's incredible, incredible, incredible feel for the game. It's like, uh, he reminds me a little bit of like Bryce young, but like with elite physical traits, if that makes any sense, like he can see the field, he knows where everybody is at all times. He always is able to, um, you know, make something out of nothing in terms of like his ability to get out of, get outside of the pocket and look downfield and find a guy. And he has the physical talent to make these incredible throws. Like truly the Patrick Mahomes, comparisons which are inevitably going to come i think actually makes some sense because just the things he can do with his arm where you're throwing off platform it just doesn't look possible for most players and he has that um i don't think he's necessarily like the, a mahomes level player obviously because mahomes is you know maybe the second best quarterback in nfl history well or he's at least trending to be that um but you know i think obviously like stylistically there is some validity there in my mind um with Caleb Williams, the big question, uh, aside from the crying thing, which I'm sure people are going to talk about ad nauseum, um, the big question is, he can he play on time? Um, you know, the, I think the thing that really struck me when I was watching, it was almost frustrating at times, is he never just like hits his back foot and gets the ball out. Um, a lot of the time it's like he'll drop back, he'll look, he'll scan, he'll move around, he'll strafe about, he'll spin away. It's like Russell Wilson out there kind of. Um and, you know, he's incredible at that. And, like, the stats will back that up. Like, if you look at his stats, they're incredible. And his his physical traits, like I said, he has an elite arm. He's, I think, actually more mobile and faster as a scrambler than people give him credit for. He's, like, pretty athletic and agile and, and like, able to create on his own as a runner. Um, but, again, this, like, the bottom line is he's incredible traits, some, like, circus throws. But can he play on time is, I think, going to be the big narrative. That's a great point because when I look at him, you know, it's there's an understandable aspect of his. You could call it immaturity. Let's put it that. And th this is putting this stuff to the side, but within structure, within the system, because he's a young player and he's got all that talent. You want to show that talent as much as you want to use it to apply to winning and drive winning. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the structure around him and the defense that he's playing. It was almost yeah. like Mahomes, who you made the comp. That was a situation in Texas Tech. Like he was taking those risks. Because he had to chase the upside because scoring 60 points, 50 points was the only option for him with the yes. team that he was playing around. Do you think some of that, I, my word, immaturity is driven by the situation and the lack of defense and, and everything that's going on at SC? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, you said it perfectly. It's like he has to put the team on his back week in and week out. It's, you know, I think people are coming down a little bit on him for having some turnovers, like especially in that Notre Dame mm -hmm. game. Um, when he, I think, threw three picks in that game or two at least and had a couple of turnovers, he was pressing. Like, he was just forcing it. And the problem was, um, number one, like, the defense can't stop anything. This is a terrible defense. I mean, honestly, one of the worst in the country. I think they've given up, like, 40-plus points so many times this year. Um, but, you know, so I think he was forcing it. He felt that he had to put the team on his back and really, you know, carry them. And obviously that led to some some forced throws and some turnovers. Um but yeah, there's something there. And I think, you know, obviously people are going to talk about his personality. He's obviously a very confident guy that may rub some people the wrong way. You know, I don't know. There's going to be all this stuff and we'll get to all that during the draft season, I'm sure, and like dissect it. But um, at the end of the day, like I still really like him. I think if, if I had to choose right now, he would still be my top player in this draft. Um, even though there are some, you know, legitimate concerns about the way he plays. To me, the biggest concern is not necessarily like, how he plays or sorry, how he acts and like his, his personality. It's just the fact that I think an NFL team is going to say, we have to be able to figure out whether we could make this guy play on time and mm -hmm. hit his back foot, get the ball out, play in a rhythm because 
the biggest thing that struck me again watching him was just it, nothing was rhythmic about his offense. Like it was like it was like brilliant chaos. But like, is that repeatable? This is something that this coming is it hits close to home for me because this is something that we talked about with Russell Wilson for like the first ten years of his career was can he play in structure? When he stops being a runner, can he start? Can he be like a pocket quarterback? All this stuff. And you know, Russell Wilson did it for a really long time at a very high level where he was doing a lot of improvisation. The scramble drill was a huge part of the Seahawks offense. Um, so I think, you know, his floor, I think Caleb Williams floor is still very, very high, but the question is going to be, it's going to, it's going to be a nagging question. I think a lot of people have is like, is he the type of guy that's going to play in structure of the offense or is he just going to like run around and try and make things out of nothing? Right. That, that discipline, let's call it the maturity. I mean, that's a, that's the best way you can capture it right now. Are you going to grow into yeah. that once you move into a new environment which may not even demand that maturity. It might, it might cause for more immaturity of just keep looking for the home run in light of overlooking mm-hmm. the single and the double. Um, you've thrown out a lot of names there that are interesting to me, and I want to get to a different question. But like sticking with the Mahomes-Wilson mentions, the end of his career, and no one's holding into this draft opinion prediction that we record here <laughs> November 30th, does his career, again, highly dependent on wherever he goes, right. end up closer like not in the neighborhood, but you're like the town over from Mahomes, or is it kind of on Russell Wilson Street? Like, where, where do you think, based on just what we know now about him, <laughs> where he ends up? Um, I mean, it's obviously like a bold thing to to say that it would end up yeah. in the Mahomes area. I'd say it's probably re- more realistic in the Russell Wilson um, neighborhood. The other name I think that I, that's going to get thrown around here a lot that I could see being similar is, is Kyler Murray. Um, mm. He, he's kind of in the same vein. Like if you watch Kyler Murray, it's like a little bit chaotic. Uh, I got to say that scares me though. Like we talk about I know. maturity. I don't That's like, around that. yeah, him, and I, I, like, I don't know. I, I am a big Kyler believer, but at the same time, I think his, the chaotic nature of his game is why there's some uncertainty, whether he's going to be like a long-term player to build the franchise around in, in Arizona. Well, it's yet to be seen. Um, but, you know, obviously there are different players in different sizes, but I think, you know, stylistically, he, Kyler likes to run around. He likes to make things out of, uh, you know, out of structure. Um, but there's there, I think there are some question marks about like playing in structure and the longevity of like that style of play. Mm-hmm. So um, that's maybe like the floor comp, if you will. Um, but I, now, you know, obviously he, he's a good player, I still think. And I, you know, I think he's the type of player that you can build around. Kyler is. Right. Okay, so we've all seen the Patriots struggle to score this season. That has been no secret. But I have something new for you. And that is the fact that you at home or walking the dog or at the gym or grocery shopping, you yourself can score this season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Again, $150. If you pick a team and that team wins, And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you've heard me talk about them a lot. There is no better time than right now to get in on the action because the app is super easy to use. And if you don't like picking straight up winners, you could go with point spreads or player props over unders and tons and tons more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and open up the NFL season on your terms with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Massachusetts must be 21 year older and present in the state in order to bet. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Where would he, uh, Caleb Williams, fit? in the, you know, recent top picks among quarterbacks. Like, say we will about Tua versus Herbert at the time. But let's have those two names, Trevor Lawrence and Bryce Young. Like, is Caleb at the top as a prospect of that group? Is he just below Trevor? Is he... I think as a prospect, I'm like, obviously just basing this on memory, but, like, I still think I probably would have had guys like Trevor and Burrow Mm -hmm. higher. Um, but yeah. I think right there is where he falls. Like I had Stroud as my first quarterback last year. I think, I think I probably still would probably put Stroud a little bit higher just based on a few of the variables. Like, you know, I'm a little bit worried about 
Caleb Williams sack rate and his mm-hmm. pressure to sack rate. He's, you know, he's very reliant on protection and, and like, he's just a little bit too chaotic from that point of view. And I really liked Stroud, his, his just poison calmness and playing in on time and, and all that stuff. Um, so I would probably put him like just right in that area. But like, again, to me, the bottom line is he's, this is a very high level prospect. Like I'm very excited about what he can do in the NFL. I just think over the next couple of months, he's going to get picked apart for some of these things. And so these are, I think these are the narratives that, that Patriots fans and all NFL draft fans are going to have to have in mind is like, he's going to get picked apart for his inability or perceived inability to play on time and play in structure. Right. I mean, you, you just have to watch one game and you kind of get it. Why Caleb Williams is in this conversation, not yeah. only just one of the highest been last year, but he's going to be here at the top. You know, whether people like, you know, Drake May or, or Caleb Williams, like I, I don't think there's a, a wrong or right from the little that I've known. I mean, we'll get to your thoughts on Drake May, but just to finish with Caleb, um, what is the one game? You mentioned Notre Dame, obviously not a, a better game for him. We're like, if folks want to understand what he's about, this is the game to go watch. Um, the first one that came to mind was the Colorado game. Um, mm-hmm. So he had six touchdowns that game. So obviously that's good. Um, yeah, so, yeah. But like, you know, I think you get the kind of the full Caleb experience watching that game. Cause he, there's one famous play where he's like drifting to his left uh, escaping. Like he got flushed out of the pocket, drifted to his left. And then like essentially did a drunk, a jump throw to his, <laughs> to like the middle of the field, like on a frozen rope to the guy. And then the, uh, his receiver went and scored a touchdown. It's like, this is the type of plays you're going to see and get from this type of, from this type of player. Um, he's a guy that can keep plays alive. He's very dynamic. I think he's a huge pain to defend for the defense. Um, so that game came to mind. He completed 30 out of 40 passes. So obviously this is, a, this is a, the high end of games. And this is like, I think the, the, the good case of what you'd be getting for Caleb Williams, um, in the pros, but obviously, you know, he's had a couple ups and downs The Notre Dame would be like the other end of the spectrum. If you want, if you're worried about him, watch the Notre Dame game, he's forcing it. Uh, he threw three picks in that game. I'm looking at his, his box score now. And so, um, you know, obviously I think he falls somewhere in the middle of that, but like, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to come off like I'm being negative about him because I'm, I'm very excited about him to be totally yeah, honest. Yeah. Like, I think he, he has the, the talent, the physical talent, the traits, the aggressiveness, the mindset, the confidence um, to be a star in the NFL. It's just, you know, I think there's, there's a long time between now and the draft and he's just going to get picked apart for some of these perceived weaknesses. Well, I mean, you, you gave small credence to like the Mahomesian comps in, in, in good and bad ways and part of that situation. So I, th- I think that speaks loudest of everything we said here. Like I'm glad, I'm glad that was the dismount here and Caleb Williams reinforced still very much believe he's worth possibly the number one overall pick. And you like yes. it better than Drake May, uh, who let's get to right now. What is the difference in your mind between those two players aside from, you know, Drake is, is in a different situation in North Carolina. He's three inches taller. He's a bigger player. fits more of the traditional mold, mold but yeah. like they're, they're similar arm talent there. Is there not? Yeah. He's he, Drake may is another really high level prospect, I think, honestly. And he, it's funny because the comps are so high end with both Williams and Drake may. Obviously I think Caleb Williams gets like Mahomesy and comps because of the way he plays. I think Drake may, looks and feels a lot like Justin Herbert when you watch him yeah. just like about the same, yeah. stylistically like aesthetically for whatever reason he just looks like Herbert out there like the way he throws and the way he runs um so I think it's a philosophical thing it's like if you're building a team just put, picture it that way do you want a guy like Mahomes or do you want a guy like Herbert and take away the surrounding <laughs> cast because obviously Mahomes is playing in the Andy Reid system you know he's had like a great sporting cast he's been on a good team and then you have Herbert who came to the chargers who is just always a mess. Um, so I don't know, like to me, Drake may, I think um, big, you know, prototypical size prototype arm. He's athletic. Um, you know, he st- stylistically plays on time more, which I think is probably going to appeal to a lot of teams. I could, I, I could see a lot of teams ending up having him as their number one and Caleb Williams having, uh, having Caleb Williams as the number two, just be based on the fact that I think coaches will see him and be like, Oh yeah, I can coach this guy in our system so easily. Like he has all the traits, has all the, the arm talent in the world. Um, both of these guys are really young and both of them take a lot of sacks. I think that would be some, one of the concerns I have is like, if you look at their pressure to sack rate uh, for both Caleb Williams and Drake may it's over 20 this year. Um, if you look at the top three guys, Stroud, Young, and Richardson last year, all those guys were 9%, 12%, 9%. So, for, not for take- reference for Patriots fans, that 20% is like 
pressure to interception ratio for Mac Jones. Like that, that's how bad it is and how frequent it becomes. And you just can't, you can't live life that way at the NFL level with a quarterback yeah. like that. So the, the pressure to sack rate is something I've been looking at more just because like Sam Howell is a good example. Like Sam Howell coming out of college, his pressure rate and his sack rate, pressure to sack rate was really high. It's over 30%, which is a really bad number. And that's carried on to the NFL. In some ways, it's I think one of those things is just the type of quarterback you are. Like that, it's it's a quarterback stat. I think also there's other variables, of course, surrounding talent, scheme, offensive line, all that stuff goes into it. You know, um, Malik Willis had an astronomically high pressure to sack rate. Um, Justin Fields, I think, had a high one, and that's borne out in the NFL. So. I think there's a little bit of a concern with both Williams and Drake may of how many sacks they take. Um, and that would be like, I think the one thing I'm worried about with Drake may is, is just like, is he going to take too many sacks? But I think there's, there's mitigating circumstances or there's circumstances around him. His offensive line isn't very good. And um, no. he doesn't have some of the skill talent that uh, some of these other quarterbacks have had in the past, like particularly Stroud. I mean, like Stroud's been playing with some like truly incredible receivers uh, in college. So I don't know. I think that there's there's some worry there, but overall, um, Drake May it's like total package. Like really, like I think the thing I just jotted down was like extremely exciting combination of traits and and size, you know, and athleticism. He's just like built in a lab to play quarterback. Um, so I think you know, accuracy downfield I thought was a little bit spotty, but overall, um, you know, a really really high level prospect. I really like him. I think he's got when he sets his feet and throws again, it looks like Herbert, like he can launch that thing. It's like a freaking howitzer. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, these two guys, Caleb Williams and Drake may, I'm, it's very close for me. And I think they're both going to be like top three picks probably. Um, and it's just really a question of like philosophy and style as to like who you like more. I think it's, it, it's going to, it's like a Rorschach test. Like who, what kind yeah. of quarterback do you want? Uh, do you want a guy who can like do incredible things out of structure once the play breaks down? Or do you want a guy who's going to like run the offense and, um, you know, get the ball out on time. Also may is good out of structure too. So it's not like either or necessarily. So it's funny because when you talk about it in those terms, my thought, and this is half serious, half facetious is that the Patriots will go, well, we'll just trade back and take JJ McCarthy because what we've seen, what we've seen in the last three, four years is a commitment to system and style Versus maybe the substance of the player. Like yeah. I wrote at the time and have since learned the Patriots were just out on Justin Fields. And I think for reasons that we've seen borne out, it's a processing thing. It's not that he can't read mm -hmm. defenses. It's just slower for him in the pressure yeah. to sack ratio. Mac Jones, meanwhile, of course, quick, generally smart. We haven't seen this player in a while. But that was how he was built coming out as a rookie. Right, um, right. Played as a rookie, processed well, all those things. And they committed to their offense as opposed to could a player, you know, not, not that Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence was there but who doesn't fit our mold, maybe elevate or change our offense. And those conversations about what they want to commit to, which personally I would just commit to the player when they're regarded as highly as we've just discussed them and build around them, change the system to fit their, their, uh, their talents. And so, but listening, just if we're sticking between the Drake and Caleb Williams, which one based on that, let's say they stick loosely to a Patriot system, would you see as a better fit in New England, Caleb Williams or Drake May? Probably May, honestly. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, he he feels to me more like a guy who's who's willing and able and ready. Maybe maybe ready is just the best way to put it to like play in that system, um, you know, run the offense like it's designed rather than kind of trying to like go out and make a bunch of plays and, and do too much. I feel like um, personality wise, he might fit a little bit better. I don't I like honestly, I don't really know yet. I think there's still a lot of time to like figure all that stuff out. Um but yeah, I think I, I would probably lean May just based on stylistically what he does. Um, he looks a lot more like Tom Brady than Caleb Williams does <laughs> in terms of like height, arm strength. Um, like he, he's more of a prototypical pocket type passer uh, in, in, from that point of view. So I, I would say just like if you're looking for a guy that's going to be more playing in the system rather than like freelancing and playing Sandlot style football, it's clearly May. Um, and I, it's not even saying that that Williams can't do that. It's just, he doesn't do that right now. Right. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, if Gerard Mayo takes over as a lot of us locally expect, he might look at this from a defensive point of view and be like, okay, I'm going to assemble all of the offensive players. As Bill Belichick once did 
who are a huge pain in my ass. And what do I not want to defend? And then force all of my opponents to deal with those problems. And in 2006 and seven, it was Wes Welker who they traded for. Now it's a very different conversation, position, and player. But it's uh, it's something that I think you have to consider because it's only become more quarterback friendly as we continue to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, two quick ones on Drake May, and then we'll get to the other one, the other guys. Your favorite trait or thing or fact about him as a player and the game that folks should watch if they want to know what Drake May's game is all about. Um, honestly, like this can get overrated, of course, in the process, but like just the frozen, he could just throw a fro- absolute frozen rope. Like his, <laughs> he's got a howitzer arm and when he sets his feet and lets it go, it truly does kind of look like, uh, Justin Herbert. Like he, you know, Justin Herbert has like, if you put together a highlight reel of all of Justin Herbert's top throws, it's like, he's throwing this, he, he's basically throwing like a 40 yard across the field, like dart to a guy on the sideline like that's the type of throws that that may is capable of making um, it's like a so cross pass like you flip it and it's a flat line and it just gets there you know? it's like it, it's like the physics of this don't look real like i don't know what's going on um but yeah he has a he has a really good arm and it just is aesthetically very pleasing so i'd say that is the first thing that comes to mind for him um i would throw so like i, I just watched the pit game so that's just at the top of my mind um but he made a couple of plays in that game. And th- this is sort of a narrative breaker, I think, because it's going to be Caleb Williams, Sandlot versus Drake May system. But I think Drake May can make plays out of structure. He has a little bit of, uh, you know, football player in him. Like he can he can get outside the pocket and do things. He threw a left-handed pass. He threw a left-handed touchdown pass on like a designed quarterback run. I think it was either a designed quarterback run or a scramble. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he got outside the pocket saw that the uh, defenders were closing in and flipped it with his left hand to a guy in the touch in, in the end zone and scored a touchdown. So I was like, I was like, this is like a good representation of both what he can do in the pocket as a passer and like get outside and do some things, you know, make some magic outside of structure. So I thought that game just at the top of my mind is one to watch. Okay. Honestly, that sounds more Mahomesian than some of the stuff we talked about Caleb Williams, like right, flipping right. left-handed passes. Yeah. I mean, it, it was an incredible play. Uh, Caleb Williams, by the way, has like I you can actually j- just look up Caleb Williams ringer and you can read the article I put on him because I put together some cutups of Caleb Williams Mahomesian plays. You can you can check it out on that article. And like some of the plays he makes are absolutely ludicrous. So I don't I don't want to like again, I don't want to downplay the talent and the pure just excitement I have uh, watching Caleb May because or Sir Caleb Williams, because I think he's just the things he's able to do is like pretty, pretty rare. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know, um, I feel like he's going to, he's going to get picked apart for a lot of dumb reasons at the end of the day, I think. And you're going to forget like some of the things he can really do on the football field are like truly rare. So that would be my defense of Caleb Williams, but I think may also has a little bit Mm -hmm. of that sandlot to him too. And so, um, again, both super exciting players. What are we going to pick about, um, since we did this for Caleb Williams, pick apart about Drake May. Cause I, I see some recklessness in there. And again, very little that I've watched, but you're just mm-hmm. going, I kind of get it why you made that decision, but you just can't do it. Yeah. I, that would, that's the first thing that came to my mind, especially when I was watching, obviously he's a young player. Um, I think he's just a redshirt sophomore. So he obviously has a lot of room to grow and, and all that. Like some of these guys that he's competing against with in, in the draft, you know, process are like 24 years old and have been playing in college football for six years and have like a 2000 attempts in college. And so obviously there's like caveats to be thrown around, but yes, I agree with you. There was some plays where I was like, uh, that was, you know, forcing it when you really shouldn't have. I think I kept coming back to, there's a couple of, there's, he, he makes throws downfield where he has a guy, he, he has a chance to give that player a chance down the field his receiver a chance. And he just like overthrows it by like five yards. So I'm wondering, and, and I didn't know for sure whether he was just like being safe and like throwing the ball to a place where only his receiver could get it, you know, not necessarily putting the ball in danger or if he's just inaccurate, I'm still trying to like come kind of figure that out because there's some deep passes where I'm just like that, that had never had a chance. Uh, and maybe like in his mind, he's just like, all right, I'm just, it's like a sort of a throwaway. Um, but I do worry a tiny bit about like his overall deep ball accuracy. Um, it just can be a little bit spotty. And then of course um, the sacks thing is the other thing I would bring yeah. up. I don't, I'm not super worried about it, um, but it is something to kind of like keep in the back of your mind. It's like, you know, can he improve in that area and, and get down and like be, get rid of the football and, and make the right decisions? Cause I think right now he has a mentality similar to Williams where it's like, 
I'm pushing the ball down the field. I'm making big plays. I'm trying to like carry, put this team on my back. Um, and you know, sometimes that leads to sacks. Sometimes that leads to interceptions or, or bad throws. Yeah. And a lot of drops around them. So then sometimes you're just, again, trying to put it in a spot where anyone else can get yeah. it yeah. Or, or just your guy can get it. And even you hopefully are all alone at that point. Uh, even if it's just, you know, it doesn't matter because they're going to drop the ball anyway, which is North Carolina <laughs> football. Shout out Chris Cotillo. Um, all right, let's move on to the last year. I, I teased them earlier. Jade Daniels out of LSU, who has shot up more than anyone. I think got a lot of Heisman yeah. team as of late. JJ McCarthy, who I've seen anywhere regarded as maybe mid first round pick or maybe early third. Like there, again, it's November. There, there's not a whole lot here settled yet about the whole draft process. And then Michael Penix, uh, shout out University of Washington. Good luck on Friday night against Oregon Ducks. So yeah. of these three, who uh, who could crash the party? Who could join into the top ten? If any. Oh man, um, I think Jaden Daniels probably just based on the hype around him. So just starting out with the other two guys, um, McCarthy. You met, you were talking about like the like a Patriot style player earlier. Like I could see the Patriots yeah. liking this guy, and it's like exactly what you're saying. Not only is he a quarterback out of Michigan, which of course has a good historical context to it, but yes. Um, he is a he he's the type of guy that just like runs the system. You know what I mean? Like he is the facilitator of this offense. And he's it, it, like they're going to throw out the term like game manager as like a pejorative. But like mm-hmm. I see it as like a positive. Like he is not he's not, you know, he's making the right decisions. He's giving the ball to the players that are going to like go do the dirty work. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously against some of the big in some of the big games this year, he hasn't really been asked to do a whole lot. But I think that's just a system thing rather than like a quarterback thing. And so I think he's. He's he's going to be, I I picture him as kind of like a teen, like in, taking somewhere in the teens probably if he does declare <clears throat> as like kind of like a high floor guy. I don't know if he has a, a ton of ceiling, but I think he could be, you know, like a solid starter in the league. And then with Penix, Patriots fans have had enough of those mid teens quarterback, high floor, fast starter, game manager. Like is he? Th- he's not throwing to like three top ten picks or fifteen picks of receiver though, is he? No, no, no absolutely okay. not. All right. um, One difference. So, but I, but I, so like, I think he, he'll be like sort of a tough eval and it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to school, but we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of got like Kirk Cousins vibes. Obviously it's very early, so don't hold me to any of these comps, but like, you know, no, it's no, like no. A more athletic, more sprightly Kirk Cousins type player. Um, the Michael Penix thing I think is going to be very interesting. Obviously it's just like straight up weird to see left-handed quarterbacks. Like I, I had the same like, sort of like. <laughs> thing with with Tua it's just it's just weird it's like you I can't tell if he has like a weird throwing motion or if he's just left-handed kind of deal you know what I mean like um I think the big deal with him though obviously the numbers are incredible uh he's another guy he's like on the other end of the spectrum he takes like no sacks it's it's pretty incredible actually um and so I think that's something that could be really attractive to NFL teams is like he takes care of the football and he doesn't get sacked um I think the big deal with him and why I don't think he's probably going to be a first rounder, at least right now, based on sort of the, the narrative, it, but he's been hurt so much, like his injury history um, going back to before he came to Washington. Like he, he had, I think season ending injuries every year of his career. So he's a thin guy. He's a thin mobile guy in that. Yeah. I just think that medicals are going to sink him, um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, there's a lot. Again, there's a lot of time between now and the draft, and maybe that will maybe that will change. But I, I imagine he's probably going to be more of like a second round pick, just based on like the fear around injuries. Um, so, and then that leaves Jaden Daniels, who he's an he's an interesting one because he's very thin framed. Also, um, the guy that I came that came to mind when I watched him, I watched him a couple of weeks ago before he had like the most ludicrous like production the last couple of games yet so he had like 10 touchdown passes in the last two games um the guy that came to my mind watching him was josh johnson which mm. is gonna sound like it's a really low bar like it's a, that's like supposed to be a negative but like if you go back to josh johnson's college career like he was doing crazy <laughs> stuff um he had like incredible numbers in college uh so i don't know, kind of back up in madden as well josh johnson first josh johnson he, like 20 years ago he, yeah truly like a remarkable career. Um, you know, I think people would probably look at my comp with Josh Johnson as like a negative, but like he's had like a what, 10 or 12 year career. He's played for like every team in the NFL at this point. Um, but obviously, you know, that's just stylistic and like body type, I think, because he, because Jane Daniels, the big issue with him is he's, he's small, like he's skinny. Um, but at the same time, 
his numbers, it's hard to really scoff at his numbers. I mean, he's like putting up better numbers than Burrow, which is truly insane. Um, so, you know, obviously he's a dual threat guy. He's got a lot of experience in college. Somebody posted a clip the other day. He was throwing a touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> back at Arizona State. I was like, oh my God, that's insane. Um, but he's been in, you know, he's been in college for uh since 2019. He was a he's a starter as a true freshman, I think. Um so he's he's got a lot of experience in college. He's thrown fifty almost fifteen hundred passes in college, which is great. I think like this is something that I think teams are going to look at as a small edge going forward, especially with like the 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 success of a guy like Brock Purdy, where Pretty, you know, physical, physically, like, I don't think he's anything special. Um, but like just having live reps in real games is something that's so important. It's the exact opposite of what Trey Lance had. And Trey Lance obviously, you know, floundered in the NFL. Um, you know, we have a lot of examples of this over the years of guys that have a lot of traits and, and exciting, um, you know, physical talent, but at the same time, just don't have the mental reps and, and just like the live bullet reps where you, you have, pass rushers bearing down on you, you have, you know, defenses running around. It's like just having that, those actual reps in, in games is important. Tyson Bajant, um, is another example. He played D2, but he had like 5,000 pass attempts or something like that in college. Well, it's just a bigger sample size. Like you, you, yeah. you know, no one's getting married after six dates, but like 60, <laughs> like, oh, I'll, I'll probably think about it. You know, like, yeah. I've seen yeah. you in different situations. Um, exactly. I, You've had some adversity. So, but I think overall, like with Jane Daniels, like the bottom line is ex- very exciting traits. Obviously he throws, I, the one thing I came away with watching his tape is he throws an absolutely beautiful deep ball. Um, I was like, I, again, this is, of course I'm colored a little bit by like my homerism, but like, Russell Wilson-esque like touch down the field where you're just like putting it exactly in the only place his receiver can get it. Perfect loft, perfect touch, very catchable football. And then of course he can run around quite a bit. He's, he's a very dynamic guy, but you know, I think the big worry with him is going to be he's thin framed and you know, obviously with Bryce Young, that's like a big deal right now. I think like a little bit worried about like Bryce Young physically holding up in the NFL. Not that he's that small, but Jaden Daniels, I think is his frame is going to be the big question mark. Jane Daniels feels like if Danny Almonte could have stayed at the Little League World Series year after year and collected more <laughs> checks, you know what I mean? Like, so much time there. Where's the yeah. old guy? He's not supposed to be here anymore. How is right. he still completing passes at LSU to Joe Burrow's son? Like, this just shouldn't be allowed. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Eventually he will come. And it is interesting, too, because then you wonder, was this Jaden Daniels all along? Is he a late bloomer? You know, is there – muscle to add on to that frame. How much can you be a dual threat in the league? Like all of those questions come up, but I had seen, you mentioned the deep ball, like a little Jordan love with him for me, which is not always like the off platform yep. stuff. Does that land with you? Yeah, for sure. Stylistically, okay. I can definitely see that. Um, and like, honestly, and he, if he landed in an offense, like what the Packers run, like I think he could be very successful in the NFL. So I think that's a, that's a, a good comment. I think he's probably actually more accurate than than Jordan Love is, on, especially on those deep passes. I, although Jordan Love has improved quite a bit in that area, but I think coming in, Jordan Love, he was very erratic, and mm-hmm. we've seen that like borne out a little bit in his in his game. He's just an erratic passer, erratic decision maker. I think Jane Daniels, um, you know, the, again, like the thing that really stood out to me was just like pinpoint ball placement on those deep passes. Um, so you know, again, it's very early. Um, right. he's listed at six, four, two ten, which I'm like, I don't know if I buy that. Cause I think he's, he just looks skinny to me out there, but, um, we'll see, you know, how that all goes when the combine and, and, you know, senior bowl circuit and all that. Yeah. Ev- everyone lies about your height or your weight on these <laughs> official rosters. Uh, again, not unlike Daniel Monte, it was just his age back then. <laughs> right, World right. Series, just the ass reference. They keep blowing at everyone's faces. Um, all right. What's one thing you mentioned to Caleb Williams and I, I totally agree with this. When it comes to the silly season, it never gets sillier than when we're analyzing. And look, I've already talked about this on TV, but like him jumping into the stands or his press conference, or he wants to go home and cuddle his dog, and we're going to get all in up in arms about that. And then at some point, there's going to be someone like a J.J. McCarthy who's like second round, and so someone at ESPN in late March goes, you know, I, I, would, I would take him in the top ten. And we're like, whoa, we all have to readjust. What, aside from that, are we going to be talking about when we're like a month, month and a half out? from the draft and everything is pretty much settled, but something is not. Ooh, good question. 
where I, the first thing that came to my mind is like, where does Bo Nix come into all this? Oh, baby. He, so some, some team is going to be like, Oh yeah, this guy is a starter for us. And he's good. They're going to make him like a first rounder. But, um, he, another guy that's just been around forever. He's been playing in college football for what feels like a decade. Um, I think the thing, the, the storyline and like the narrative that's going to happen with Bo Nix is like, obviously incredible efficiency. He's like putting up like Heisman level numbers, but I looked this up the other day because I was curious watching, watching their offense. It's just like, this is just all screens. <laughs> like what, yeah. this is just screen pass, screen pass, screen pass. And then they like, will throw something deep. It's like, you know, obviously um, setting up like their deep shots or whatever. But uh, I want to say Bo Nix has like one of the lowest average depth of targets of any player in college football over the last two years. So that is a concern. Other than that, like I think you're going to get probably a lot of like, um, Brock Purdy style comps where it's that people are talking about the experience, his ability to run the offense, um, maturity, all that stuff. You know, I think that's going to be a big narrative when it comes to like Bo Nix and, um, just taking care of the football, all that stuff. So I'll be interested to see how, where he ends up in, in this whole conversation. Yeah. And he, he looks the part and I've gone too far in this direction. where like, I think we can all acknowledge the six foot four guy, strong arm, typically white dude playing quarterback, like gets right. a little tiebreaker there just for historically you look the part. It could be quarterbacks. It could be us presidents. It could be any number of things. <laughs> and so when right. I remember, you know, Justin Herbert, you brought up with the Drake make comp, they'll get the bump too. Just anyone who looks historically like someone else who has done that job, you believe that they can do it on site alone. I thought Herbert's accuracy is a question for me. And then he's in that system throwing a lot of screens like at Oregon. And I was like, I'm just out. Lo and behold, I was very wrong. Um, do you think, you know, there's, I don't know. Is there anything about this quarterback class too? And we'll, we'll finish on this. Do you think we'll have kind of defining trait or about either the players or the process with which that we go through things. Cause that year was a lesson for me of like, you could still look the part, get a bump and then exceed expectations mm -hmm. or Mac Jones. in that whole class was a lesson in the surroundings matter, whether it was Zach Wilson at BYU, Mac Wilson or Mac Jones at Alabama. Um, you know, even Justin Fields at Ohio state to a degree. Like, do you think looking at this class will have one kind of takeaway in the years to come? And I know it's very early. It's still November. I'm really putting you in a shit spot here with an interview, but either a commonality among the prospects or we're getting smarter. And this is the next thing we need to learn about scouting quarterbacks. The, so yeah, that's, that's obviously a tough question. Um, I think the thing that honestly comes to my mind when you, when you ask that question is just, What's the NFL? What is the NFL going to do about what I perceive as like a quarterback problem? You know what I mean? Like, there's just so there's just a lack of quarterback talent right now across the league. Um, there's no middle class quarterbacks. It's basically just the elite guys that are being paid fifty million a year, and then we've had like twenty or thirty random dudes. Like half these guys, truly, some of these guys I've never heard of. Like Tommy DeVito, I've never heard yeah, of this yeah, guy yeah. before. They got Tim Boyle starting games. He, he threw one touchdown to 13 picks in his three years at UConn. Where are they finding there. these? Where are they finding <laughs> these guys? Um, but then at the same time, um, the, it does feel like the NFL has this reticence to pick guys too early still um, over the last few years. And maybe that's just a reflection of like the way that they viewed the talent. But, you know, going back to 2022, Kenny Pickett was the only first round pick. You saw Desmond Ritter fall. You saw Malik Willis fall. A lot of people thought he was going to be a first rounder. You saw Sam Howell fall. He was going to be a first rounder. He fell to the fifth round. I think it's what I'm getting at is there's a weird disconnect between the lack of quarterbacks in the NFL and there's, and teams are still waiting really long to pick these guys for whatever reason. Last year, obviously we had three first rounders, but Will Levis fall out of the first round. Uh, Hendon Hooker fell into the third round, I think. Um, yeah. And so I think there's this weird co contrast, I guess, where like it, it feels like there's not very much, and there's not very good quarterbacking in the NFL, and NFL teams are less likely to reach on quarterbacks than they ever were before. It's, I, it's I don't understand. Of, it's not me, it's you. Like looking at the quarterback class, we're not screwing this up by not making it a more hospitable yeah. environment for quarterback to grow. And people in New England right. are all like, oh, right here, it's the thing, the Leo DiCaprio meme staring at the TV and jumping out of your chair. Like that's. I think, it's so like in the old days or like even just a few years ago, it felt like, oh, quarterback's so important. Even bad quarterbacks are going to get pushed up into the first round. You know, that was 
Yeah, this was like the way the NFL operated. And then over the last few years, I, I don't think I'm really answering your question, but like this is just the different thing I was thinking about when you were asking is basically like, yeah. will the NFL push these guys into the first round like we saw for most of the history of the NFL? Or will we continue to see guys fall to probably where they should be drafted in the second and third rounds and developed and like take a while to get there? Um, so basically, I guess the question is like how desperate are NFL teams going to be after this year? Um, that's what's going to be on my mind. Um, when we're talking about guys, you know, like Penix, not that like, you, the teams would be desperate to pick him in the first round, but like he typically looks like a guy to me that would be a second or third rounder usually in the NFL because of his injury history, because of how old he is, you know, the way that he runs the offense, all that stuff. Um, so I guess my big question, and I think one of the big narratives is going to be like, will these guys get all pushed into the first round? Will we see five or six quarterbacks taken in the first round? Or will it be more like the last few years where, some of these guys fall into the second and third and fourth round. The other thing that's like interesting and unique about this season, I think, or this draft is we have the confluence of events where it's the NIL money is keeping guys in college football longer. You have the transfer rules or it's keeping guys in school longer because they can transfer to a school that fits their system a little bit more. And then you have like the COVID granted <laughs> extra eligibility. You've got like yeah. sixth year seniors coming out into the draft over the next couple of years. So there's sort of this extra, there's surplus of quarterbacks um, coming out of college football. And so I just think there's a lot of interesting variables with all that. And I'm, I'm just very, you know, intrigued to see where these guys land. I think there's at least two top five talents in the, in this draft for sure with, with Maine um, and Williams. And then after that, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how highly these guys get pushed up into the draft. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And the little that I know, you know much more and are still learning and scouting and working every single day and comping that that it's a great point because are you willing to reach, you know, because the fifth year option used to be this big thing. Oh, you have to trade up like the Ravens did to get Lamar Jackson. It's one extra year of control, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. A lot of teams just said, nah, we'll just, we'll just wait, like you pointed out. And so whether they're right or wrong or it's a case-by-case basis and quarterback talent, you know, fluctuates like every other position we see throughout yeah. the league, except for when it's down. As you said, it's a problem. The whole league goes down with it. Yeah. And that's not anyone's fault or anyone's responsibility to fix it except for the league. Do teams in unison go back there or do teams um, zag? Like what, what is the next step here with this class? Because it seems like there are a lot of prospects who will fall in that first round line of late mm-hmm. first, early second. And we just named a bunch of them in addition to Bo Nix, who I can't believe I forgot. But I uh, might be taking home the Heisman. I don't know. I have not looked yeah. at the odds and uh, hopefully at least not a win on, uh, on Friday night. So that is more Washington references than I expected. But let's go full circle here. You mentioned Justin Herbert. Do you have five minutes? Can we talk Pat's Chargers? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So typically I have a 3-2-1 preview breakdown after the Patriots have the ball and the opponent has the ball. And then we do three keys and two matchups and one random thought. So I think we should just do three thoughts, two keys, and then you can just pick one thing that you want to say about anything and then we'll get out of here. Does that work? (laughs) Sure thing. Okay. So my first thought as we look at Pat's Chargers is that I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Patriots could win. And this includes <laughs> the fact that they are outgunned, okay? Like you've been handed a squirt gun against the entire, you know, pick U.S. Uh, military branch. Because there's something about Belichick and Justin Herbert, where Justin Herbert has the lowest career passer rating of his career, 52.8, against any opponent. Now, granted, oh, those games in 2020 and 2021. But – I look at that, the Chargers going across the country, the fact that Keenan Allen has practiced on Wednesday. He is their go-to guy. It's not the Patriots have a corner to take him away. And the Chargers stink, suck, bad on defense. And so it will take a series of very bad Charger-like errors, though that's happened. Their only wins are against bad teams in the Vikings. They're 4-7, and seven, the Patriots being 2-9. and nine. But They're bottom 10 in every metric by DVOA. If the Patriots run the ball, and Bailey Zappi simply just does not screw this up, this could be a 13-10 Brandon Staley is fired on Monday kind of game. Am I crazy? Am I, I, I will. I'll take it back. I know I'm crazy. How crazy am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think you you hit on all the pertinent points here. It's like um, the Chargers, like – it's in their DNA for whatever reason to lose games that they probably should win uh, snatch Vic snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And, and that's just kind of like who they are. Um, their defense has just been so bad. And like you said, they're a bit top heavy on offense. I mean, truly. And, and the other thing that's kind of interesting about the, the Chargers' offense, it's like running through these old guys that got Keenan Allen, 
and uh and the running back uh whose Eckler. name I, Eckler. I don't know why I was blanking on him, but yeah. Um it's it's just such an interesting thing. But then they don't have anyone else. Like they went out and they drafted what looks you know, Quentin Johnson who's looking like he's gonna be a bust. Obviously there's still time for that to like get cleaned up, but he got benched essentially last week, even though they have no one else. They're running guys like Alex Eris Erickson and Jalen Guyton, guys you never heard of. They're running those guys out on offense. Um yeah, it's, you know, kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's just like Herbert, I, I feel like he's a great talent, but the situation around him is just so chaotic that it's hard for him to truly thrive. And so um, this does look like a winnable game for the Patriots, uh, which is and just the, wild. The spread is only six or five and a half, which seems crazy, mm-hmm. except for the Chargers have lost three straight. And they've had a lot of close losses against good teams. But again, their their only wins are over bad teams. And I'm not here to say Bailey Zappi is any kind of savior. He's not. Like, he, he's intact. That's his edge against Mac Jones, the same reason people were arguing for him last year. He's not Mac. That means more this season. Um, but the Chargers stink. They're also bottom in the league by DVOA at defending the middle of the field. So mm. I don't know what that means because tomorrow Douglas is out. But, like, someone has to be there and you just have to whoop, throw it over the line and just repeat and rinse and punt a lot and hopefully <laughs> keep it under. Uh, is, do you have any more exciting thoughts or not like, crazy thoughts? We have that's one down. I, I don't know. I kind of I do think I still just have so much faith in Herbert. I, I at the end of the day, I do think the Chargers will win this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think obviously, I think there's a reason to be worried if you're a Patriots fan because you want to lose, <laughs> and the Chargers are just notorious again, like for losing games they should win. But I I still just think Herbert's too good to like i think i think they will take care of business i think keenan allen will probably play is is pop douglas definitely not playing in this game it's his second concussion in less than two months he entered the protocol as i understand it on monday okay um and so i i would be surprised if he plays he also yeah. missed the next game after his original concussion and so i had seen, yeah because i had seen something about how he told the media he didn't have a concussion but i, I yeah he told me right to his face he was snacking on an orange peeling it off <laughs> smiling after the worst loss of the belichick era the most boring depressing game he's like yeah i'm good i'm good All which right, really well. should have just been assigned to me which here's the thing people mad about that i get but a patriots player directly answering a question about an injury Needs to be celebrated, like any kind of eclipse or rare event in <laughs> right, space, right. okay? Because it just doesn't happen. So, of course, I'm going to share it with you. I'm sorry yeah, I was yeah. wrong, but then also told folks on the last episode I would be surprised if he plays, which was a hint in he's in the purple. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm with you. For the record, I, I I think the Chargers will win 20 to 9, but there, there's absolute disaster here potential for a Patriots win for, for both sides. Um <laughs> Absolutely. It's just uh, crazy. All right. I know uh, my boss, Bill Simmons, is on record saying he's officially worried about this game. So that uh, <laughs> that gets my spidey senses going a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we have now is just anxiety uh, for the next six weeks <laughs> over good yeah. things happening, quote unquote, good things. Um, last thing here, uh, kicking situation. Uh, bad time for Chad Ryland, who I spoke to this week. Kid has missed 35 yarders in the last two games. The last one should have tied a game against the Giants. They have Matthew Wright in, who I – Completely missed. It was an NFL kicker that existed for the last three or four years. And I don't know who's going to kick on Sunday because I know they're competing in practice (laughs) and that's not a situation you want to have. But it amazes me that we got through almost three months of the season. And of all the problems that they've had, we've just completely glossed over until this week. Oh, the Patriots can't make field goals. And he's had two misses from 30 to 40 and 40 to 50 and two beyond 50. So it's not like a total disaster. But for most teams, you'd be going, what the? Is going on, and yet there have been so many. What the is going on that we only yeah. just now got to this kicking situation? That's my final thought on this game, which who knows might result in another field goal at the end. Kicking, having a bad kicking game at this time is probably a good thing. So, you know, silver linings. It's it's good that he's missing kicks that could win the game for you, uh, <laughs> because winning these games would be absolutely meaningless in the big picture. So. Yeah. Uh, be thankful, I guess, if you're a Patriots fan that the kicking game is a mess. Also, I think it's just like a microcosm for the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just nothing is going right. And also the fact that they're having a kicking competition midweek. I didn't I wasn't aware of this, but like it's not official. But like Matthew Wright is not here <laughs> just to like yeah. sit and watch. You know what I mean? Right. Like if he, if he plays better. Chad Ryland will have the Fox Pro flu and uh, will be inactive, and Matthew Wright will get signed probably on Saturday. It's just it's it's it it's funny because it reminds me of what they're doing at the quarterback position, where it's like 
rotating quarterbacks has not and will never work. What are we doing here? Like this is, you know, obviously I understand why they they bench back Mac Jones, but like the musical chairs they've had with the quarterback spot this year has just been like, I don't think this is going to work. I don't, I don't think, you know, having one guy start benching a guy mid game multiple times in a game or in a season, uh, you know, it feels like uh, Cunningham has been released and resigned about six times a season. So I don't know. It's just like a, a weird, they just can't make up their mind type deal with the quarterback. Yeah, no, thank you for the reminder, Danny. I really appreciate it. I wanted to go back there down into the sewer where we started out of at the beginning of the episode. All right, two keys, not for the Patriots, but for everyone to get through this game. Uh, any fantasy angle, any gambling angle, anything like to kind of find joy in this? I mean, Justin Herbert is awesome. If you want to say, hey, he might be your next quarterback, except for his name is Drake May and he's six foot four instead of six foot six, and he's, you know, uh, there you go. playing in North Carolina right now instead of Eugene, Oregon. Like, what? what's your key for fans to get through this? Uh, my fantasy, the only thing I'm excited about in fantasy for this game, other than obviously, uh, Herbert and, uh, Keenan are incredible right now is I kind of am excited about Ramondre now. Like Ramondre has has put together a pretty good stretch of games here. He looks to me like he did last year where he's making guys miss. He has these little subtle moves and and jukes and, and like strafes that he makes guys miss and keeps go keeps runs going he's he has like this very slippery running style which i love um but i think also with bailey zappy in there it's like check down city it's gonna be good for fantasy so i'm hoping ramondre can catch like six or seven falls and like have a big week because of that just just check down check down check down get rid of the football all that stuff i um i love that pick chargers are 30th dvoa at defending running backs in the passing game the run defense again. Perfect. Stinks. Yeah. I think they're going to target Austin Johnson and Kenneth Murray up the middle. I guess I am giving some serious football analysis here at the end. Um, <laughs> my other key is to just kind of keep an eye on JC Jackson. I don't even know if he's going to play that much because he was garbage against the Giants. Then declined to talk to me after the game in the locker room. Whatever, it's his prerogative. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm going to mention it in my own podcast because that's why I have <laughs> podcasts is to air mm. such grievances. Festivus, only 22 days away. Um, <laughs> but I just. If there's a game where there's like a last draw for him, it might be against the Chargers. Like I, I, I don't know. Like there, there's, there's very great potential for something weird to happen involving J.C. Jackson before the game. He says something after he blows something against Keenan Allen. He gets into a fight. I don't know. He is a wild card, which brings us <laughs> to the last part of the three-two-one breakdown, which is typically the wild card thought. And I told you it doesn't even have to pertain to the game. Um, mine will just be. I'll give my pick. I think the Chargers win seventeen-nine. Um, and I, I know you think the Chargers are going to win too, and that's not particularly wild. But like, what what have we not covered? Are you thinking about the Mariners anymore? Are you watching the Kraken? Like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, no, to be totally honest, I'm I'm pretty laser focused on football. Uh, I don't I don't even really know much about other Seattle teams right now. I, I'm I'm still just like hoping an NBA team comes back to Seattle because I grew up like a huge huge NBA fan, and then when the C- uh, when the Sonics left, I was just like screw you to the to the yeah. nba and i really haven't paid a whole lot of attention lately which you is, avoided like the state of oklahoma as a whole is just a <laughs> yeah. double middle fingers for stealing uh, the team it's, like, just, just, it's like yeah man we like they stole kevin durant like yeah there's just so much you know bad blood there but it sounds like and there's more it feels like there's more momentum for the uh the sonics to come back pretty soon here so that's like the one thing i'm looking forward to i i wanted to get into the kraken but just like mm-hmm. bandwidth wise i just can't I just haven't yet. So maybe I still will, but uh, I have not done that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this has been awesome. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to be bugging you before the draft and or after. You can pick one (laughs) or neither or both. I once described our relationship as like the guy who you – you know, saw in class at college and then would run into at a party late and you just say like, oh yeah, you're both gays <laughs> because that's typically when we run into each other physically yeah. is at the combine where many yep. beers are poured. And I don't know what that means for us now that like <laughs> games are coming up and both of us have just quit and we're hanging out again. <laughs> like, do you want to just yeah. go drink because it's Thursday and your football team's playing tonight against the Cowboys? <laughs> but uh, I can't wait to see you in person. Low yeah. chance. There is a chance it'll be at the uh, Senior Bowl. Down yeah, I was going to say. This might have a strong reason to go there this year. I, I would agree. Uh, yeah. and, and hopefully Doug can make it too. Uh, but until then, find him on Twitter. He is Danny Kelly of The Ringer. What else do you want to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, The Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which turns into the uh, Ringer NFL Draft Show pretty soon here. We're going to start doing episodes of uh, draft stuff pretty soon, like in two weeks. So 
um, check out the podcast and we got fantasy rankings up at the ringer. And then we're going to have a NFL draft guide up at the ringer, which I write a good chunk of. So yeah, uh, exciting times. It's like we're transitioning into draft coverage. And I know for Patriots fans, cause I, I know Patriots fans are excited about it. Cause Bill Simmons has been texting me and asking me about these guys so that, you know, that's a good sort of like signal that Patriots have Patriots fans have their eyes on next year a little bit more than usual. Uh, yes, that happened like three weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. don't, I don't know what more to say because there's not more college football to watch, but there's plenty of tape to study. And if you're going to read anyone, if you're going to listen to anyone, make it Danny Kelly from The Ringer. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you.